0: Hello and welcome to episode 135 of the Meet the Farmers podcast. I'm your host, Ben Eagle, and today I'm heading over the county border to Suffolk to speak to arable farmer and winner of both the Farm Manager of the Year category at this year's Farmers Weekly Awards, as well as the overall Farmer of the Year award. Edward Vipond manages Trust and Farms, which is made up of four holdings and around 1,500 hectares. Cropping is varied and includes, among other things, milling and feed wheat, bolting and feed barley. Milling and feed rye, spring beans, sunflowers, and maize for anaerobic digestion. It is a real privilege today to find out more about the man behind this clearly successful farm business. Edward, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you very much, Ben. Good to be here.
0: <laughs> really, really good to have you. Uh, before we talk about you, um, tell us a bit more about Troston Farms and your so, part of Suffolk.
1: Yeah, so Troston Farms has been in existence since 1961. Uh, when Helmut Class bought the business or well, bought the farm, which was only a 1,000 acres, uh, 400 hectares at that point. Um, and a lot has changed since 1961. And poor old Helmut, he's no longer with us. He died uh, last year. Oh, okay. Uh, and um, he, uh, he, very visionary character uh, and an amazing man to meet on a number of occasions. Yeah. Uh, but his daughter now, uh, Katrina Class. Mulhauser. She uh, she's my boss effectively, and she has expanded the business significantly since about um, 2012. Things started to really kick off. I wasn't here then. I've been here six years, Okay. Uh, and um, things started to, to to increase at that point. But we're now um, we're now farming, as you said, just around just a little over 1,500 hectares, spread over 24 miles um, from land that will blow away in a good strong march wind to land that won't blow anywhere yeah so from yeah. suffolk suffolk sort of boulder clay to uh, breckland sand and everything in between uh wow. and
0: that's a challenge i was gonna say yeah qu- quite a challenge um, yeah. and sort of turning turning back back the clock you grew up um still in suffolk um on a 100 a acre farm yeah. uh, near near to me in the essex border um yes. take me take me back to your childhood
1: okay so um, born at a farm near well, near Floughton, uh not far from Hadley uh, huh. and we then moved to another farm uh, again just a little bigger uh, just over a hundred acres uh, in, 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 what, in Wicker Street Green between Boxford and Kersey um, hundred acres uh, lovely house um, clearly our parents couldn't sustain uh, sustain their living uh, on a on hundred acres and, and felt that, it was the right thing to do to, to to sell the farm, which kind of shattered my dreams somewhat, Uh, but they were, they were slightly rose tinted spectacle dreams with a hundred acres, but we we sold the farm when I was uh, 16 uh, and moved to Scotland. Uh, But farming was always just, you know, that was whatever, whatever else I was going to do, farming was going to be number one priority and probably my, GCSE results uh, gave a very good picture of what I wasn't doing, as opposed to what I was doing, which was sat on a tractor. <laughs> okay. But anyway, there we are. I mean, you know, it, it was it was what I wanted to do, and that was my passion. So, yeah, we moved when I was sixteen to to, to Scotland to buy a bigger farm. That was the plan. Okay. We were one of the so-called white settlers to move north, and you could buy an awful lot more land in Scotland in the uh, in the early eighties uh, for a hundred acres in Suffolk. Yeah. but that didn't come off unfortunately my father ended up buying a country clothing and fishing tackle shop which was I suppose an early okay. form of diversification yeah, yeah. Um, and good for him because it made made good money uh, on the river Tweed in Kelso um, and um, gave me a bit of a crossroads I suppose as to what I was going to do was I going to go into the retail industry mm-hmm. uh, and, um, and and help in the shop or was I going to Follow my my you know my real desire to, to to farm and it was a pretty easy choice. So um, I uh, when I moved to Scotland, I became a YTS trainee. Would you believe? Okay. Uh, and earning the princely sum of $29.50 a week, <laughs> uh, uh, which seems a bit strange now, but it was where it started. And yeah. I worked on a um, a thousand acre very traditional thousand acre. Uh, livestock and arable farm in the Scottish borders Uh, what ended up being for three years two years as a YTS trainee uh, and then a year uh, on a full wage which I felt I was a millionaire at that point having (laughs) earned $29.50 a week Um, but taught me an awful lot Uh, a very nice farming family I worked for uh, and they they gave me a really good grounding in what what was to me at that point large-scale arable farming and, and livestock farming
0: yeah yeah a beautiful part of the world up on the borders. Oh, as well. stunning. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely stunning. Yeah. yeah. And they, I mean you did a diploma in, in ag at, at Moulton College. Uh, yeah. why, why there i well, there? I think there's some family history, isn't it? Family
1: there? history, yeah. I was the third generation to go to malton Uh so um yeah, it was it was a family sort of uh, link, and I felt very strongly I wanted to do that. And it was a good college and still is a very good college has to, had to diversify into all sorts of other things other than agriculture. But at the time I was there, agriculture was still a very important part. And it still is, but they've had to had to look elsewhere to keep to keep the college viable. So, yes, uh, an NDA ultimately at uh, National Department of Agriculture at uh, Moulton, which I that, – that was my my focus, and I excelled in that uh, and uh, really reveled in college life and everything that entails. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, – Moved uh, and didn't do a degree, went and did a postgrad at Aberdeen University. Um, Bit of a jump uh, in in, 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 in academic terms, but um, from a diploma in agriculture to a postgrad in farm business management, which was a very, very hard course, uh, a year uh, postgrad course at uh, Aberdeen SAC
0: um,
1: and uh, loved it, um, really loved it and um, came out of having passed that with another big crossroads as to what I what I what I did next really
0: absolutely and then yeah. I mean, you you eventually ended up at, at Velcor and you spent 14 years there um, yep what, what were your learning points during that time take us to those years uh, they,
1: they kind of ripped the rule book up of everything I'd lear- I learned at college um, not quite but most of it was you know start from scratch and it was a different mindset uh, and they taught me an awful lot uh, about uh, business management crop management personnel management and at the time there was a training scheme which I eventually got on to uh, farm management training scheme and I spent two years being trained by some very high guy, high caliber guys in the company okay. uh, and um, then uh, became farm manager after a few years and moved a number of times that's putting it mildly uh, if you wanted to progress in Velcor, you had to move and I moved right. a lot um, and uh, spent 14 very happy years um, uh, managing very diverse businesses from growing cauliflowers and calibrous in lincolnshire to broad-scale high-yielding land in uh, in kent
0: wow i I, I always find that sort of moving about and i've I've had this conversation with with foresters before who who, by the nature of their job that they move about a lot how 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 did you find that i suppose socially and, and, and with other parts of your life moving about that much
1: yeah, I mean, it was it wasn't easy, um, you know. And I think uh, when and when you become married and, and kids come along, it becomes even more complicated and difficult. Yeah, exactly. Um, I sort of was at the end of uh, end of my time with with Velcor when uh, when that did happen. Um, okay. And yeah, it's it's a, it's a big it's a big issue. And I think if the way I looked at it was, I wanted to get to a certain level. You know, if you wanted to progress, you had to move.
0: Let's talk about your Nuffield. Um, your Nuffield scholarship why did you decide to do one of those?
1: Well I, I sat at my desk one evening in, in Dover actually when I was farm manager down in Kent and uh, my farms director at the time just popped in to see me and just let, left on the desk a Nuffield um, a Nuffield scholarship leaflet and I thought All right. far too busy I haven't got time for that <laughs> yeah. um, and then I spoke to a guy called John Stones who was at that point the um, the director of Nuffield who was the most persuasive man I've ever met Um, and ended up uh, persuading me that it was a good idea and I had got time and Velcor wouldn't mind me leaving uh, the farm for what ended up being six weeks in the States, a month in Australia and quite a lot of time in Europe Um, and I ended up studying precision agriculture which at the time was (laughs) incredibly um, new in the the farming world and in in 80, uh, now, hang on, let's get this right, 93, 94 it was I did the, the scholarship. Okay. Um, Precision Ag and anything it involved was fairly new. Uh, and um, I had an amazing time. And I have to say, I just went to, I went to the Nuffield Conference just recently this year. And I was quite happy to say to people that it changed me as a person. Yeah. Um, it made me more confident. Uh, it made me think uh, about the challenges that we face and gave me a different perception of, of risk as well in, in farming terms, in that, you know, we, we feel, you know, we're rather cocooned and we can feel rather cocooned in the UK. Uh, but, the, and, and we'll come on to talk about it, I'm sure, but what, what we're about to experience in the next seven or eight years takes um, risks to a different level yeah. in the UK agriculture so what i what i learned at nuffield was you know this guy's in australia and and, and uh and certainly in the uh, when i went to um western australia and perth uh they you know they they look at risk totally different to us um and and they're the way they handle it and the way they, they deal with it is totally different and that taught me a lot
0: okay fascinating is your is your report still available online
1: it is yeah it is indeed it's um it's uh, it's titled Precision Farming: um, Practical Toy or Expensive Tool? Um, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's still it's still there. Um, and uh, it, it, I mean, a lot has changed in the in, in the precision ag world since that report was written. But it certainly yeah. gave me an, an an inkling and an, an insight into what uh, was is still some of it cutting edge technology.
0: Interesting. So after Velcor, um, you moved to the Cotswolds for a time. Um, and you ran an estate there. What what was that like?
1: That was uh, diverse with a capital D, I think, Uh, so I'd I'd put that. I mean, it ended up being two estates in Scotland and two estates in in Gloucestershire. Oh, wow. Um, But very, very hands-off on the ones in Scotland, but certainly hands-on on on the ones in Gloucestershire. We we ended up building an anaerobic digester, um, and that ended up being a two-megawatt plant. uh, Started off growing food, uh, crops for the feedstock and ended up doing a deal with, uh, I can still remember going to Cofilli, uh and doing a deal with a um, the Pieces Food Service, as they call called, which is a, uh, a pastry and pie manufacturer for their waste. Uh, so we, we ended up feeding it, it, it food waste and, and everything that that entails, including pasteurization and, wow. and such things. But that was a very diverse estate uh, with a very hands-on uh, owner. Who um, you know, was, was tenacious uh, and really um, wanted to drive the estate forward, um, but yeah, building the AD plant and then subsequently spreading all the digestate on the land uh, with everything that entails, improving yields dramatically uh, on, the, on the on the estate on in Cotswold brash um, uh, and, and farming up to nearly a thousand feet. Yeah, a, a challenge in itself we had a, a fairly big residential portfolio of houses, um, a, a very nice uh, pheasant and partitude uh, and the farm. So I felt that Gosh. Suffolk was the place that I wanted to head back to.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not surprised at um, all that. Very, very, very busy life. So uh, eventually you ended up uh, back where your life began in, in Suffolk um, at, at Truston. Uh What appealed to you about uh, the job that you're now in?
1: So um, a result of, I suppose, in some respects, being micromanaged in Gloucestershire uh, and the, the reporting schedule to the, the landowner was quite intense. Um, whereas in Suffolk, uh, I have a far greater amount of autonomy uh, and I will see my landowner. Well, I used to see my landowner in Gloucestershire three or four times a day, wow. whereas I, I see Katrina maybe three or four times a year. <laughs> <laughs> so so that is the difference um okay. not that i don't i mean the the autonomy the autonomy i have here is is i suppose the analogy i'd use is, is as close as i'll ever get to owning my own farm yeah and farming for me is is very personal um and there are there is nothing worse than than making a mistake in, in agriculture because you can hide your mistakes in many fields or many far <laughs> or many industries but, Farming usually isn't one of them, and it's usually by the road. Um, yeah. So having <laughs> uh, having autonomy, having uh, the, the the responsibility uh, and the uh, the ability to drive the farm in the direction I want is incredibly important to me, uh, yeah. and I don't take that uh, for granted in any way, shape or form. It's in, you know the the, um, the the there is obviously a huge responsibility with that, but the that, that I don't mind. But the ability to 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 shape. The farm, uh, and uh, and change things as I see fit, with 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 the board approval is, is, is great.
0: Yeah. So since you've been at Truston, uh, what are some of the things that have changed on the place?
1: I suppose the easier question is what hasn't changed. Really. But, um, <laughs> the I mean we 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 have uh, bizarrely enough we don't have a choice in tractor forklift and combine. Um, we can't we can't have branch change changed. That yeah. surprises me. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So we we um we don't get any special deals, mind you. There is oh, a common funny. perception that I have a, a back door to the class factory. Well, uh, <laughs> nothing can be further from the truth. We have we have uh, certain parameters at which I have to work, but uh, we have changed uh, saw management uh, saw management. We've changed a lot of the staff have changed on the farm. Um, and there's probably, there's one out of the three that uh, we started with when I got here, are still here. Um, we changed uh, machine, every piece of machinery bar one piece has been changed since I got here uh, on the farm. Um, we've changed the cropping, um, we've changed a whole raft of things because, and it comes back to the risk, um and we you know we, we're not we're not growing oilseed rape anymore we're not growing sugar beet on the light land anymore um we're growing a fair bit more rye on the land on the light land and it is back to you know we are like it or not the weather is changing uh and the weather we're experiencing then there's nothing there's no normal about it uh we're getting more extremes uh, and those extremes have a big impact on what we do and the last, well, this, this autumn has been a blessing. You, you know, we, we talked about pre-coming on the, on, the, on the interview about the the um, the weather in October being very, very, very inclement, or inclement weather the last two years hasn't occurred this October yeah. and to a degree in November. And that's been a blessing. And we're in a good place this uh, into, running into December. I'm happy. But the last two years, we've had to really think uh, outside the box and look at alternative cropping in the spring and yep. just really really think long and hard about what we're doing and why we're doing it. And it, it's, it does crystallize in your mind, you know, why are we, you know, trying to uh, muddle in wheat or, or, um or should we just draw the line under it and put a spring crop in? Not yeah. always easy to give in. I've never, until two years ago, I've never, ever not draw a warmer warm winter wheat, but oh, really? hey, yeah, okay. it happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So having, having the, having the ability to, um, to, to think, okay, well, you know, Stand back, look at it from a different perspective. Do I want to compromise everything I've worked to soil structure-wise? Do I want to compromise all my herbicide program? Or do I just stand back, leave it till the spring and have another, have another chance at it? And we've done that for the last two autumns. This autumn somewhat different. Uh, Who's to say what's going to happen next autumn? But you know, the ability to, to stand back and look at it um, is important.
0: Yeah. Would you say that probably farm managers in the future are, are, are just going to have to be more adaptable?
1: oh without a doubt i mean we we know we are, we are losing the support mechanism which i have had in one form or another all of my farming career yeah. okay and no matter uh, what is said i i firmly believe we will only recoup 40 50 maybe 60% of that support in any yeah. shape or form going yeah. forward so we've got to be thinking differently uh, and um, you know that that differently might mean Different things to different people, but we've got to think differently about how we do what we do. And just because we've always done it, doesn't mean we carry on doing it. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, you know, the farm managers, the farm managers of the future might have to be doing things. You know, we might not be cropping all the land. Uh, some of our very light Breckland, I'm really looking long and hard at the rotation, thinking, can it, can it, can it be justified in the future? Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, and some of the crops we're growing now are very low risk, sunflowers. Cost me nothing, hardly anything to grow. Yep. This year, the sun has not appeared hardly at all, and sunflowers oh. haven't performed very well. But mm. it's a low-risk strategy, and that's something that, again, going going back to the Nuffield, that's what it teaches you. Uh, for me, anyway, you know, that okay. going out and seeing people who are unsupported in, in in subsidy and support terms, seeing how they look at risk and how they look at their cropping plan, if they don't grow grow a crop, so be it you know in, in, in it, it's not as simple as that I, I i grant you but um it is just that that attitude the step change and attitude that you need to have
0: let's talk about the farmers weekly awards um take me back to awards night when when you picked up uh, the farmer of the year award uh, and also the farm manager of the year award um what did that feel like how does it feel when you heard that you had, you had one
1: well um i was nominated and i still don't know who by but i was nominated for the farm manager of the year category and um, you're judged in early August by three fairly sharp and ruthless judges who come round <laughs> and who come round and have three hours, no more than three hours with you. That's the limit.
0: Wow! And you
1: think, okay, what can I show them in three hours? You know, what what what, what what's the good? What's the bad? And what's the ugly? What what do they want to see?
0: Yeah.
1: Anyway, we did three hours judging. Uh, did three hours judging with the with the judges, and that's the last you hear about any of the results until oh, it's right. awards night. Okay. So sat down, had a, a very nice uh, dinner uh, in London. Uh, and then the nerves start to creep in. Obviously helped by a small amount of alcohol to keep, to keep the nerves <laughs> Um, But, but um, the nerves start to creep in uh, and um, you think, OK, well, you know, it's nice to be a finalist. Katrina had flown over especially. So no pressure, you know, no pressure <laughs> to do any, anything special there. <laughs> a, a, fair, a, a very good you know a very good final three that you know i was in that great yeah, yeah. Um, I was up to, you know against some stiff competition in, in in the final three but the first award was surprising um if i'm honest i i um, i still can't get used to quite get used to the idea of it really but the first <laughs> award was very nice and it's 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 one of those things in your career you think um that's one of those things you won't forget uh, pinnacle a pinnacle Absolutely. of the career really and we sat down, and I thought, "Oh, how marvellous that was!" And uh, and Katrina was uh, very happy, and uh, and had a, a table. All the directors were there. My son was there, who's the fourth generation to farm in Suffolk, are not you? Yeah. Um, and um, partner was there, Bridget, and uh, we had a, a lovely evening. And all the men were there as well from the farm, their partners, which is important because it's a team team game. Yep. And um, then at the end of the awards. So I mean, they do the Farmer of the Year, and I thought, well, no, no you know, come on, uh, I've had my award, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gracefully think that's perfect. Um, and out of 16 categories, I was picked as Farmer of the Year, which I'm, if I'm not used to Farmer Manager of the Year, I'm certainly not used to Farmer of the Year. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but um, surreal and a very honourable thing to win. Um, so, ha- yeah, still, still can't get quite used to the idea, but it, it is... If I think about it too long, uh, it, it, it's still it's fairly the, the emotion's still there, um, and um, it's yeah it's an honour to win it, and I hope that uh, I hope that uh, I can portray uh, you know what I do is not, by no means a template, but I hope that you know it, it, it gives a, a, an inkling as to how we've got to be going forward um, yeah. and, and what we've got to do and how we've got to think. Um, yeah. In, in the next 10 years or, or longer. Yeah, and I yeah. think the other way of looking at it is I've got, I've got maybe 15, like 18, 20 harvests left in me, which okay. when you talk about it like that, it's quite frightening. Okay.
0: Yeah. It's not a long time. Um,
1: <laughs> in my working career, I've got, you know, uh, 20 harvest max, I would think in, in my life, in my farming career left. And, you know, I've done 20 and I've got 20 to do. So what's the next 20 going to be? I know yeah. what the last 20 have given me, but what are the next 20 going to give me and how are we going to be, farming in the next 10, 15, 20 years. Now what's going to change? It's going to be massive change. Yeah. But you know, it's it's trying to anticipate and 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 making sure that the business that I'm managing is in really good shape financially, mm. performance-wise, yields and yields and what we grow and why we grow it. And mm. having a having a, a very clear focus about where we need to be. Mm.
0: I'm supposed to be neutral on this show, but I just should just say, for, for, for as far as the wards are concerned, uh, as, a, as an East of England guy, um, we did pretty well in this, this part of the world with with, the, dairy, with dairy and pigs as well.
1: Yeah, we did very well. We had a good night, um, and it's it just shows the backbone of the East Anglian farming uh, farming metal is is there in in in, uh, in Spades, isn't it really? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about life away from farming for a bit um yep. what do you like to do when your head's not involved in, in running the business
1: okay so i've got a very um a very well she's aged aged labrador so we we tend to, uh-huh. tend, to tend to the walks tend to be number one uh when she's not out with me croc walking but um there aren't many salmon rivers in in suffolk so i head i do try and head north every ah, so often
0: fantastic.
1: to cast a fly as uh, part, as, uh,
0: does, does that go back to your back to your scottish your scottish indeed. park routes yep. yeah yeah <laughs> indeed
1: so um occasionally get up there when when uh, time allows and and uh try and um try and connect with a salmon which is becoming even more increasingly difficult in in scotland but yeah get up there and, and and see family and um yeah that and i um yeah just just try and relax a bit I'm, I'm probably an average golfer i think i call myself <laughs> um but um yeah an average golfer, an average shot uh, and uh, a frustrated salmon fisherman <laughs> that's yeah. pretty it
0: May, you've also massively thrown yourself into Suffolk life and, and you're a steward, steward at the Suffolk show. Um, yep. I'll, see, I'll see you there next year. And, uh, and involved with the Suffolk Schools Farmer Country Fair. Uh, mm-hmm. Why is that involvement important to you?
1: You see, that goes back to family as well. And I, um, I am incredibly proud to be uh, farming in Suffolk, um, having, having had a, my father and grandfather do the same thing. And they've, they've also been involved in the Suffolk show. But it's not just that. It's giving something back um, because the public in, 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 in every form need to engage, I think. And it goes on to the country Farm and Country Fair. But to, to, to represent Suffolk agriculture uh, in, in any shape or form, whether that's with you, with you here today or uh, other radio interviews or far enough field, is, um, is, comes straight from the heart. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, that makes me incredibly proud to do um, uh, and to, to, to have to know that, you know, grandfather may be looking down and thinking, yeah, he's done OK, is incredibly important to me. Um, uh, and to, to get to engage with the public uh, is is a passion of mine. Uh, and, uh, you know, it can be when you're you know, when you're when you're crop walking uh, and I had somebody the other day stop and say, what's in that field? And we had a half an hour conversation about it. Yeah. That's the nice side of the public engagement. There is obviously yeah. sometimes always the other side of public engagement when they're not on a footpath, and you aren't explain why they shouldn't be there. And you know, there's 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 that engagement that needs to happen, and communication in in whatever form mm. is incredibly important.
0: We've already mentioned some challenges, and I was going to ask you about Chorston in particular, but I'm actually going to widen it out to. Um, uh, do do you want to put what what for you is probably and there are many but what what for you is the, one of the key challenges um that we're going to face in the coming years as a, uh, as a, as an industry yeah I mean I
1: think I think the um the the, the weather uh, we talked about a while ago is is you know where are we in the in the um, in the climate change circle I don't I don't no one knows that we know what, what's happening at the minute and I think the weather hopefully doesn't get any more extreme but I, you just don't know that. Mm. Um, and it's how you meet that challenge alongside providing um, healthy, nutritious food that is produced locally. Uh, I think you know we've got to, uh, in, in any way we can, bang the drum about what we're doing and, and why we're doing it and how we do it. And I think if anything, with the recent um, pandemic, there was a, a resurgence of, of where your food comes from. And it made people actually, I hope, think a little bit about locally produced food, uh, you know, and we've got to be more self-reliant. We can't rely on importing it because, you know, the infrastructure systems just fell apart. Um, uh, And, you know, we're in that that phase at the minute where hopefully in a year's time, the pandemic will be a thing of the past. Uh, But what I'd like to, you know, to hope that the, the, the general public really do engage and understand and and value what 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 you know their food and, and where it comes from yeah so championing that is important um challenges that that you know that the, the uk agriculture face are multifaceted and we could talk all day about it <laughs> yeah but, but but in in a nutshell we've got to make sure that you know we 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 get the message out there that we're facing uh, an agricultural revolution. Like I said a minute ago, that, that forget the game on the pitch; the whole pitch is changing. You know, the, the playing field is is being is being um, is being taken away and being replaced with something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something else. Where you know, no one quite knows what what, what we're going into regarding future support, how that's going to be um, apportioned, how that's going to be uh, accessible to to the farming uh, in, uh, industry. Uh, and you know making sure that as an industry we're in good shape prior to any of the elms uh, 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 scheme being announced is incredibly important
0: and it's it's certainly an interesting time to to go into farming uh, at the moment What, what advice would you give to someone interested in entering the industry today
1: well, okay, I mean I um I was lucky enough to grow up on a farm, and there are a lot of people that, that, that are like that, but there are also, also a lot of people that aren't lucky enough to grow up on a farm and want an entry into the agriculture industry. <clears throat> and I would say that the point one of the, the easiest things to do to get on a farm is the Open Farm Sunday um uh, uh regular well, the phenomena, the, the event that happens each year gives you an opportunity to get on the farm and ask the questions to what essentially are the, the people on the ground. Um, That's number one. There are a whole network of agricultural colleges that once you've finished your uh, education at school and and, and possibly uh, secondary and university, um, then then really look at your local agriculture college. But I cannot emphasise enough, we are facing a crisis of shortage of labour for working on farms yeah and you know when when i was a student many years ago uh i had to really fight for a job in the summer on a farm now it's the other way around i have to really look hard for people that are suitably qualified and don't mind doing the hours to want to work on a farm but farming is going through a bit of a renaissance i think and and mr clarkson's helps that with that renaissance. along with many others, the Yorkshire Vet, the Yorkshire Farm. I saw on the television the other night, Winter on the Farm. It's becoming, and it shouldn't be fashionable because it's the mainstay of food production in the UK, but it is becoming more fashionable. Um, And and, and as I say, renaissance is probably the right word for it.
0: We always finish the show with the same two questions, which I'm going to ask you now. Um, The first is, if you have a message for the public, any message, what would it be?
1: Okay, so the next time you're walking across a farm, if you see the farmer, ask him a question like somebody did to me the other day. We're very approachable. We're very nice people. We (laughs) we care about the countryside. And we'd we'd be very, very happy to talk to you, I'm sure, about what we're doing and why we're doing it. Failing that, go to an Open Farm Sunday event, get on a farm and understand what we're doing and more especially why we're doing it. Because... We are. We know we're not a small farm. We're not a massive farm. We're a reasonable-sized farm here. But big isn't always bad. That is a perception, uh, maybe by some people. We know we. I care about the countryside as much as anybody else. Uh, And please, you know, come and see a farm. You know, a, a real life working arable farm, livestock farm, dairy farm, doesn't matter, but get on a farm on Open Farm Sunday, uh, and you'll hopefully have a greater understanding when you leave about what we do and why we do it.
0: Brilliant. And finally, a message to your fellow farmers.
1: Okay. Um, There was a statistic uh, I saw the other day um, about the – it's a a somber, somber end to the podcast, but it's a very important one. There have been 41 deaths in agriculture. It is now the most, I believe, dangerous industry on this year's statistics, D22. Yeah. Um, we are only one bad decision away from an injury or, God forbid, a fatality. Please, please be careful out there. It is a dangerous industry we work in. Don't take unnecessary risks and just think before you act rather than the other way around. Because it is, as I say, we're just one bad decision away from from a really nasty injury. So be careful. Have a lovely Christmas and New Year. And I look forward to seeing you all, hopefully, at some point in 2022. Brilliant.
0: Well, we'll leave it with that that important message. Um, Massive thank you, Edward, for coming on the show. Honestly, it's been a a real privilege having you on. Um, And and massive congratulations as well on the award. So I've got one more episode for you this year and I'm really pleased to say that there will be another Meet the Farmers Big Farming Quiz of the Year. Um, I'll be joined by Emily Norton, Philip Case, Gareth Wynne-Jones and Guy Smith and that will be coming out on Wednesday 22nd of December. If you have an idea for a question for them uh, that could be farming related or general knowledge to do with 2021, please just direct message me on Twitter or Instagram either at Benji underscore Eagle or mtf underscore, underscore podcast until then though it's goodbye from edward and me and have a great week